All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. Jay is back from his vacation. I'm happy to report no kids had sand thrown at them. Jay doesn't have any. I'm looking at him on the Zoom right now. Jay doesn't have any major scarring. Uh, As far as I know, uh, no arrests were made. So you're you're, you're mellowing in your old age. You're even... I mean, you're even like sitting under the tent and not getting the hard Jay Morrison tan. I I hardly know you anymore. Yeah, I mean, just maturing with age, I guess. Not only did I not throw sand at any kids, which I've never done, by the way, but I I guess you could see that would be a possibility with some of my Kings Island exploits. But I actually uh, felt bad for a a kid. He he would they were a couple tents over from us, and he was playing on the sand. This like cheesy little plastic shovel and we've got a nice like metal one that we take down to the beach so i went and i offered that up to him and he dug a fantastic hole using our shovel he didn't want to take it at first i don't know if he was afraid of COVID or what but yeah he, he he didn't think he was allowed to and then his parents said it was okay so i actually did my good deed for the week how about that taking care of the kids you just you just come such a <laughs> long way but, but good to have you back uh people that missed it last week uh, thanks again to Joe Daneman and Jeremy Rao of Fox 19 who joined. And we had a, a really interesting discussion on A.J. Green um, and sort of his legacy and future. And as we were doing that, as the franchise tag was passing, and then A.J. Green news happened. And there's a lot more to talk about on that front, which we're going to kind of focus on today. Plus, um, we had a Zoom call with A.J. Green on Friday. I want to bring some of the highlights of that to you, uh, including I am contending A.J. Green, like Masters style, piped in birds chirping in the background for effect of like the calmness that he's feeling uh, in his relationship with the band. I think I think it was piped in fake noise. There's no way that it could be that more fitting. He's trying to talk about his kumbaya moment with the Bengals and there are that many birds right there. There's no there's no way. Um, so we're going to bring you some of that to listen to. Uh, we're talking a little bit about where we're at with the preseason and training camp, which, uh, you know, theoretically Joe Burrow, uh, making his debut at Paul Brown stadium, at least him himself and his car, uh, potentially on Tuesday. So we kind of dive into where all that's at. Also an interesting conversation that I had that'll be not only this podcast, but we'll have it on WARP in Cincinnati, the Reds podcast, with our guy that covers Everton for the Premier League, Greg O'Keefe. Um, and one of the best parts about, you know, working here at The Athletic is our connection across not only all markets, but all sports in multiple countries. And the Premier League, so far ahead of everybody in the restart world, um, as far as understanding how teams have done it, what players have said, and the complaints they've had, and and the successes they've felt and the big differences they've seen. And I thought are some really, really interesting points that are particularly applicable to the NFL starting up in regards to player intensity and the psychology of how certain players will or won't be able to perform at the levels you normally see. Great stuff from Greg. So we just said, you know what, let's just put it all in there. So we're going to have that interview for you uh, coming up in the back half of the podcast as well. So lots to get to. Um Jay, let's start with A.J. Green. Basics of the news. A.J. Green obviously signed his tender, but not only did he sign his tender after the franchise tag deadline passed and the club couldn't come out to a deal. It, I mean, it was this Bengals and A.J. Green coming out, holding hands, hugging each other, talking about how much they love each other and and look forward to trying to get a long-term deal done after the season. It was quite, it was quite the... Uh, you know, ideal forward-facing moment for both sides. I'm, I'm. We spent a lot of time last week talking about our takes. I'll, I'll let you jump. I mean, what, what is your take on how everything did end up unfolding uh, with the AJ Green situation? Uh, yeah, not surprised by any of it. I, I never thought a, an extension was going to be a possibility. Um, I think you nailed the nailed it on the head with your column about this was the best possible conclusion to this whole thing um but even even with that it's not i i never really expected anything different there, there's so there's such great respect on both sides and 
you know, AJ's kind of a master of saying the right thing. And, and you know, maybe sometimes it, it's cliche or just player speak. And he's saying what, what he thinks people want to hear. But but I, I truly believe that that he sees this whole thing from the Bengal side. He understands where they're coming from. And and he th- there's no hard feelings because of that. Yeah, he wants a long-term deal, but but he gets that that he hasn't played in a year and a half and, and he, he sees where they're coming from. And um, I, I do think that's important. We've, we've seen so many of these situations just devolve into chaos or animosity and, and it can, it can really wreck a team before the season gets started and, and cause people to take sides. And um, I, I think that's a really big thing, not for just any team, but for a team with a young head coach and a, and a rookie quarterback and everything they need to hit the ground with everybody focused and pointed in the, in the same direction. And, um, when, when the star of your team, not just this year, but, you know, arguably one of the best players ever in franchise history, um, comes in with that attitude. I, I think it can only, it can only be beneficial. Well, yeah. And because we saw it be detrimental last year. I mean, AJ green is that one guy, that when the rookies and the younger guys come into that locker room, they look at him and there's a sense of respect and awe. And I don't really know that they have anybody else that does that, where guys walk in like, oh, my God, there's A.J. Green. Like, I'm really in the NFL. I mean, guys talk to us about those moments that they have all the time. He's that guy. And when he's unhappy, frustrated, a distraction, uh, hurt, whatever – which was the case last year, I think it really is a drain on the building and the morale a little bit. And you saw that as a big part of what went wrong last year. Um, you know, obviously there are a million things, but that that is very real. And when you have this, like, I mean, massive, I hate the chip on the shoulder, but he comes in with a huge agenda um, to come in and have a massive year and really be on the same page with – you know, wanting to show up day one. That's just it. He could have chosen not to. And we discussed this last week. He could have, and he talked about this earlier, you know, back in January and in December. You know, he was like, well, you know, we'll have to see. It's a business when talking about training camp. I mean, he wasn't wanting to commit to anything. And we knew he wasn't going to participate in the offseason program. He was pretty clear about that, which he didn't. Um, granted, it was just virtual, but. You know, so that was still – he could have shown up a week before camp starts and been like, I'm good. Here I am. I'm A.J. Green. I'm ready to play. And he he knows they would have played them, and they would have. Um, There was some thought out there, okay, well, the Bengals could rescind the tag. That that was not – that's not – ridiculous. Stop reading pro football talk. Uh, That was never going to happen. But that you do have the the thing of – he could have done that. But instead, you get this sort of blitz of here's A.J. Green, all about showing up day one, caring about trying to find his connection with Joe Burrow, caring about, you know, basically being coached by Zach Taylor for the first time. That's really not happened yet. And getting and understanding how important those practices are to him and putting his injury and all the other stuff he has to lose behind him. And the Bengals, just as importantly, coming out, Katie Blackburn with a long statement at the top, of their release, which does not happen. That's super rare in regards to player releases and transactional stuff. Um, it was clear that it was very important for them to make sure everyone knows there is no animosity here. There is a lot of understanding and a lot of good open communication and conversations that were had and that everybody's on the same page and excited about what 2020 is going to be and excited about the possibility of actually doing a long-term deal after the year's over. And and I really I didn't think I, I didn't think that was likely or I, I didn't think that was something that was gonna be likely. I figured that AJ was gonna play twenty twenty as a Bengal and then he's elsewhere in twenty twenty one. But it feels like the stats that he puts up this year is gonna determine his salary next year and the years after that. But the Bengals win total this year is what's gonna determine 
his mailing address in 2021 and beyond because I do see a path for him to, to stay here. He said he wanted to, but, I mean, players always say that. They want to stay and retire with the team that drafted him. But if this team can, can take a big step forward and, and realize that promise that, that Joe Burrow brings and, and A.J. develops a connection with him and they, they, they start winning games and, and get around that 500 mark, yeah, absolutely. I could I could see him staying in Cincinnati and the team working out a deal that works for both sides. Um, I didn't I didn't really think that was gonna be possible. I thought this was gonna be a one and done eighteen million dollar uh, season, but just the way that this whole thing has been um, processed uh, the, over the last week, I think it's it's a much more realistic possibility that that we could see AJ Green in Cincinnati for years beyond 2020 yeah i'll admit that i if you would have asked me percentage chances a week ago of aj green here beyond 2020 and then asked me again today my percentage would have probably gone up about 25 percent i mean i i just i i thought the way that it went down and the the way it was put forward by green and the team and his approach i thought really made a difference and it really I think it showed maybe where their heads at a little bit more and that we didn't already know um so I I want to I want to bring in a little bit of the AJ Green interview and so I plucked out um uh, a few of the questions so this is not its entirety in its entirety I think it was about 25 minutes um this is about eight um so just sort of portions of it uh, for you to to listen to, AJ on his back deck with the birds, uh, he's just in in the peaceful place in in the cloud in the nest, uh, the the tree. Uh, so this is gonna this is our Zoom conversation with uh, AJ Green with uh, local reporters. This went down uh, on Friday. For me, this is not my first big contract, so um, I think I'm in a different uh, situation than a lot of these guys who who got franchised. Um, this is not my first big deal. So, you know, I have money saved up. I hope I should have enough money saved up. So I'll be fine. Um, but um, I know uh, like the other guys who's, who's been franchised, man, they really have to bet on themselves. For me, you know, 10 years in being franchise tag, I don't feel like that's a bad thing anymore. I think for us is having that, that, that open uh, communication. Like I said, man, my agent, I, Katie, the Bengals whole organization, man, we had great open communications over these last couple of weeks and we all came to terms like, hey, there's a lot of things that are going on in this world. Just let me go out there and play football and then we will visit this thing uh, next year. Yeah, you know, for me, it's just, I just want to play football again. I know the work that I put in each and every, each and every year, each and every week. Um, you know, I don't get caught up in the, you know, who's better than who, you know, who's the top receivers, but I know what I bring to that table when I'm on that field and I know the work that I put in. So I'm always comfortable um, with myself and I don't care what other people say but when you put that tape on when I'm out on the field you, you it speaks for itself AJ I'm, I'm gonna imagine during this process you probably received a lot of unsolicited advice from people that always <laughs> want to tell you something yeah outside of your family I mean who did you listen to the most and what was something they said to you oh uh, for me it just it's, it's my family man I got a couple of my homeboys just from you know college Justin Houston Kim Dent uh, Muhammad Masquire, uh, Prince Miller, man, we all talk each and every day, man. They just tell me, you know, it's go out there and play your game, man. It's, you know, believe in God. He still told me just believe in God, man, and everything else, take care of yourself. So I talk to these guys every day. They always keep me le- level-headed, man. Um, so, and then my wife, she's like, you better sign the tag. You know, we're not, we're not, not losing that 18 million. Um, but like I said, man, it's, it's, I am very, you know, blessed and I'm just happy to get back and play football. Could you have realistically, but physically have just gone through and worked out at home until a week before the season and then showed up and been able to go week one. Is that, was that an option for you? That something you could have even pulled off? That's never an option for me because I, I always look at practice as my games and that's the way I practice each and every week. I feel like if I were to hold out, you know, some guys could, but me mentally, I want to get out there, get with Joe, get with Zach, get get in that offense and, 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 and get in the swing thing. So when week one comes, I'll be ready to go. So that was never even a thought for you, I guess? No, no, never, never, never was a thought. I had at least four, four great years left in me, you know, great years. I mean, um, I always said I want to play 15 years, but coming down, I'm like, man, maybe I can play more. 
you know, where my body feels. I feel good. Um, so we see. We take it year by year. Uh, like I said, when I'm done playing, when I when I feel like I'm retired, when I don't love the game anymore, and um, I still love the game, I still love the practice. So when that goes away, then I'll be done. I still feel the same. I still, my body still feel the same. Um, you know, my workout, my trainers still say I look the same. So I feel like for me, I'm a, you know, I, I, I'm not the fastest guy, but I'm, I, I'm smooth. And I feel like my, my game translates a lot to when I get older. Cause I'm, you know, I'm not losing anything. I feel like I'm not losing anything. So and I still work out the same. So I feel still the same AJ Green from 2014. I'll apologize in advance, I guess, for asking this. I want, I want to bring up the first practice last year in yeah. Dayton. Uh, yeah. I, is that a mental hurdle, though, going back out there to practice again that you feel like you're going to have to get over, considering I'm sure that's a vision that you will never be able to take out of your head for a long time? Yeah, man. You know, for me, I'm a, I'm a level guy. So everything happens for a reason. That's how I look at it. You know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So. Me going to practice, coming up, I'm not going to be thinking about anything. If I get hurt, then it's meant to be happened. You know, I'm not going to have that in the back of my mind to try to not go as hard as I need to be just to not get get hurt. So, um, for me, it's going out there and play football. Whatever God has planned on me, that's going to happen. So, I mean, you no, sound like you feel like you how, need to prove has... yourself. I mean, how, when's the last time you felt like you needed to prove yourself on a football field? <laughs> uh, it's been a while. But I, like I said, I still I, – I love the game. I just – you know, a lot of people say I need to prove this and need to prove that. You know, my body of work speaks for itself, and I'm going to keep bidding on that that, that body of work um, like I did coming in 2011. Same, same AJ. You know, we, we sort of touched on it uh, before, but I, I think the one answer that stood out most to me and that I was most interested was in what – you know – why why not just show up a week before and him talking about practice being playing for him and it being really important to get on the same page with Joe Burrow and not worrying about the injury stuff and just and how important practice was going to be to him and it it showed me to me you know how seriously he's taking this year and to take every practice under that kind of seriousness and and not worry about, you know, because of all years, I mean, to just come out and be like, look, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to play these whatever games I can. Like, it, it, not just for him, but in the pandemic, I mean, they're, you know, preseason games, whatever. Nobody seems to care about any of that. It's like all anybody cares about is like, let's just try to get 16 games on TV and collect our checks and go home. Like, that feels like a kind of a theme of the year almost right now. And so I, I, I that was a takeaway for me as, as, as a big answer when you, when you listen to what he had to say. Yeah, and it's it's legitimate. I mean, he he's made a ton of money already. He could never play again, and he will be fine for the rest of his life. It's 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 not about collecting the money this year. It's it's about his legacy. It's about uh, proving that he is still AJ Green that that the fans have come to expect at age thirty two, um, and and doing it by putting in the hard work and, and taking practice. He's always been just. I mean, you've, you've watched training camp practices. You've watched regular pra- – I mean, he's amazing to watch in practice. Um, he, he's never been a guy that's that's dogged it during practice. And um, I just I, – I think it's important to him because of what I said about his legacy. Not so much of the money. The money, he's going to make the money regardless. Um, I do want to stick up for AJ and say that he did not pipe in that bird noise. I have, <laughs> I have a couple of experiences with this. One was uh, right before the NFL draft. I did a, I don't know, I can't remember what radio station it was, but I did a, a radio hit. It was on the Wednesday before the draft, and we had wrapped everything up. And I was sitting on my back deck, you know, having a having a beverage and kind of, you know, the, it's that exhale when you put all that work into the draft lead up, and it's like, okay, now we just. You wait for the actual draft to happen. And um, at the end of the interview, the host asked me, he's, he said, I, I would just like to know, I, I've got this picture in my mind of you walking through a park with all these birds chirping and, and following Jay. And I, I had no idea. I, I, I mean, you, it, they just become background noise and you don't really realize how loud they come through the microphone. And it's like, and I had no idea that was going on. You just, you're just focused on the main subject and sometimes you don't hear the birds out there. So I don't think AJ staged that. 
All right, I just want to change gears uh, a little bit here and uh, dive into where we're at now with training camp and preseason, all that. I mean, I, we're recording this on on Monday morning, and you, I don't even know if it's possible to get any get anything posted before things change. Like we're all, we're we're now within so many hours of we're we're past the amount of hours where the stuff should have been done and agreed to. Really, we're past the amount of months that stuff should have been done and agreed to. Let's be honest. Like, it's ridiculous that we're still sitting here at this hour talking about what the health and safety protocols are going to be. Um, but so Tuesday for the Bengals, uh, rookies can report. And they basically, by report, that's basically show up, take a COVID test, and get out. I don't even know if they would go in the building. They would go into the little testing trailer. Um, so rookie that's what rookies will do they'll show up and then on the 28th so uh, a week from tuesday everyone report uh and you'll have veterans and everybody else but also you also this week would have quarterbacks um injured players so you get those guys in a little early so but for everybody joe burrow right it's sh at least showing up uh taking his place in his city that he will rule over uh, theoretically, so, but what the interesting thing is, the negotiation is still going on about preseason, and and I'm not going to dive into the logistics of all of this, other than, you know, there's basically zero or one on the table at this point. We'll see where that lands. You got to feel a good chance that one seems like where this thing will will end up. Who knows? Bottom line, bad for the Bengals. Like. <laughs> The, the less preseason games with so many new pieces on this defense and Joe Burrow trying to f be out there playing quarterback, it's just – it's it's not great. They're going to really have to be creative to find ways. And you're, you're going to also have this longer acclimation period, which is just going to be basically conditioning. You're barely going to have guys doing anything. Um, it just the it just continue. it looks like it's going to continue to get harder for – for them to, you know, get him ready to go week one. Yeah, because if there is one preseason game, um, how do they approach it? Do they approach it like the week three, quote unquote, dress rehearsal? Or do they treat it like the week four where nobody of any significance plays? I mean, you have you, you would figure you have to get Joe Burrow in there and, and give him some live snaps. But are you going to risk A.J. Green in a preseason game? Um, are you going to risk Tyler Boyd? And and then if you if you sit those kind of guys out, how much you know? It, how much benefit is there really for Joe Burrow and, and not getting a chance to to connect with those guys in a in a live situation? Um, I, I still think it's going to come down to. I know it's all about money. That's the only reason to ever play a preseason game, and I, I just feel like that's. It, it's not why I think the players are going to win out on this. I, I'd be surprised if we see a preseason game. I, I, I think they're going to get their wish and have no preseason games. Um, if there is one, the, the question becomes uh, what, what would it be? I know they're talking about it would be in that week three window and the Bengals are supposed to go to Atlanta for that one. But you would have to think that if they're only going to play one preseason game, it would be, whatever that fourth one typically is just because that's usually the shortest travel like the Jets play the Giants and the Bengals and the Colts and um, it, it would be something that would be a, a very easy travel which would would be good for for the Bengals um, it, it, with Indy it's a it's a they just take short little bus drive or bus trips over there it's not a big yeah. deal at all so I yeah I don't I don't know how this is all gonna play out but I I, I just I have a feeling it I don't think it's going to get as contentious and as bad as the MLB negotiations, but but I do think the the, the players are going to win the majority of these battles. It kind of feels like they hold all the cards. Yeah, I mean maybe, but they're they're also they're going to show up. I mean, these guys need their money. These guys need to play. Their windows are small. Um, who knows? And, and I'm just honestly. I was so exhausted by going through the Major League Baseball, and just nobody cares. Like, I just – like, the the whole social media thing yesterday of the players complaining. I'm so sick of both sides caring about swaying public opinion. It's ridiculous that it's gone this far. It never should have – this should have been – stuff should have been agreed two months ago. They, they had the longest window of everybody, not just the amount of time, but to watch every other league put their protocols in place. 
And yet here we are, you know, minutes away from when Kansas City and Houston are supposed to report and still talking about this stuff and, and still trying to sway public opinion and hashtag we want to play. Just I'm done with it. Like nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear it. Everybody needs to just figure it out. Get it done. Don't try to make me or anybody else think anything about it. Just get it done. And and I, I just I just get tired of it. And I think there's just fatigue from watching every league go through this. And you had the ability to not have to because you could watch every other one and have all this time and to waste it. All parties deserve a boo on that one. Random boo, boo, boo. All parties. That's yeah. where that's where I stand with that. And the other the one other thing about what you said that I do want to hop on the one preseason game, the 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 players union, who by the way like. When they signed the CBA, the big deal there was, hey, we're doing this for the lower-end players because so many of the, the reps are all vets. They've been around. They're stars. Um, but it was all about the lower players, and those are the ones that swayed the vote because it was about giving them more money, giving them more spots to, to latch on a team, more practice squad, more, more regular, more guys up on game day to be active and get more money, higher minimum salary, all of that. So much of that CBA was a big win for the, the guys who it really matters for, who are on going to be around for a, two, three years on the bottom of roster and scrape to put it together. Those guys have been forgotten in this. In the whole, like, we refuse to do a preseason game, those guys, they have hung them out to dry because those guys are not going to make a team. With no chance to really go out there and practice, no offseason program, no preseason game for any of these guys to go out there and show anything live, you know, you got to try to do whatever whatever small amount of practice time you have. Those guys get hung out to dry, and I feel bad for a lot of those guys. You know, if you talk about anybody trying to make a team, I mean, is any of those young receivers going to have a chance to unseat, say, Alex Erickson for the last spot? No, because Alex Erickson has been around, and he's a known quantity where these guys will be – anybody else that could have shown themselves would be – uh, isn't going to stay an unknown quantity where it's like, hey, look, we know what Alex Erickson is. We know what he can do. Let's just roll with him. That's what it's going to be like across every position group across the entire NFL. Yeah, the, the one contingency they've made there to try to to help those guys is I, what, talking about moving the practice squad to 15 instead of 10. And that just gives five extra guys a chance to hang around for the year. And you have to figure there's going to be positive tests. There's going to be injuries. There always are. Then they get a chance to move up to the – to the 53 but you're right that's it, it's kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth because mouth because if you can at least get one game on tape even if you can't make your team you've got you've got some sort of film out there where where another team could, could pick you up if, if you don't if you don't make your roster that's what the, the whole preseason is about um I, I but I still I don't I don't they say they care about the little guys but I, I think it's like most other situations they they care about it's all about me first and I I just think the the players union is going to fight this to the death they they do not want to play preseason games and it just it feels like they're going to win that one I don't know it's a weird thing to fight to the death about like it's It's the worst thing in the world to fight to the death I mean seriously it just seems like it's I don't know just figure out what it is and come to terms with it and and be good you know I mean it's I get I get the acclimation period needing to be longer. I re, I mean I totally understand that and I'm with them on that. Like guys haven't they can't really go anywhere. They haven't been able to be in groups. Half these guys are practicing running a hill in their backyard or in a park or whatever. And there's not, you know, there is they do need that and that has been recommended by the the joint committee that they put together. And I do think there is some of the NFL needing to li- just listen to their own guys there, but also there, you know, it's just. Take that information, figure it out, make it work. And, and But obviously all focus is going to be on trying to start the regular season on time. It, it all comes down inevitably to what happens during the first three, four weeks of these camps. I mean, how, how quickly do we see a spread or a, a case show up and spread inside during these practices? How, how does that work? Like, does it, do they handle it well? Does it become a problem? Do we see outbreaks? If if they can get through those first three four weeks of you know of camp without major issues, especially once they start really practicing, um, I think you'll start to feel good. Even p- teams that are playing in hot spots, your your Florida teams, your Arizona teams, all that, 
of being like, hey, I think they can get through this season. I think they can pull this off um, because football is just such a hard sport to do it on. But that's that's going to be what matters more so than any of this, a lot of the stuff that they're talking about as far as preseason games and this, that, and the other. Um, so speaking of how things are going to be different, I, I do want to um, get to uh, Greg O'Keefe here in a second. Uh, but before we do that, I've got to tell you a little bit about manscaping because I do. And I'm going to, uh, you know, it's a company that's dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. All that. They have the perfect package 3.0 kit (laughs) comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer, ton of other liquid formulations around out your manscaping routine. They've got all kinds of stuff can use their crop cleanser that's for your hair uh inside the perfect package you also find the manscaped crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day there's just they have so many products they're caring for you for limited time subscribers get two free gifts the Shed Travel Bag and the Patented High Performance Reduced Chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. Use the code THEATHLETIC20. And for limited time subscribers, get not one, but two free gifts. Again, the Shed Travel Bag and the Patented High Performance Anti-Chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC2020. Jay, I hope you had no chafing coming back from your trip to the beach. I actually did. I I, oh, I, I, I could have used no, this. I no. actually I could have used this read last week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was, All right, that's enough. <laughs> no, I just was, I used I used Desidin and it worked pretty well. But it I don't know if you've ever used Desidin, but it the smell stays on your hands for day. For I mean, it would not go away. Like we were playing bocce ball, and people were like, "What's that smell?" Um, so yes, I I, I could have used. <laughs> I could have used some some of those products uh, as opposed to the Desident, but it was just one day. You know, you wear a bathing suit every every day for seven straight days. It's bound to happen, and I dealt with it the only way I could. <laughs> well, good good for you on pushing through, and uh, you know, condolences to uh, all the people that had to smell that while you played bocce ball with them, get it all over the ball and everything. Uh, I we did a we did like a deep smoker meat grill out in my neighborhood this week where uh, a buddy of mine who has a giant smoker we all brought over huge old just piles of meat and threw it on it was very manly uh, but the, it was like a you know such a long deep smoke that gets in the meat so we had like, like a big old pork loin like a five pound pork loin and ate it or whatever and then put the the uh, extras the leftovers into like bags and Tupperware and stuff. Man, you anytime you open that bag or that Tupperware or eat a sandwich a day later, two days later, it comes back again. That smell of the smoke on the meat is like so intense. I'm like, I, I have to wash my hands every time and I still can't feel like I get the smoke. It's like I'm back in the smoker again. It's unbelievable. And it tastes great. But I'm always amazed at how it just sits in there and the smell just take in the just takes over both on your hands and your you just can't you can't get rid of it. I mean, hey, I'm cool smelling like smoked meat uh, most of my life. I'm married. I really got nothing left to prove. If you're a young guy trying to go out, man, you can't smoke meat on a Saturday morning or a Saturday afternoon. Because you're, 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 no one wants, no girl wants to smell that on Saturday night. Good thing no one goes out anymore. Yeah, smoke, smoked meat, uh, way better than Desidin if you're going to have a smell, a lingering <laughs> smell. You know, America can't really agree on much, but I think that's probably one that we can probably get. Maybe I would hope get a hundred percent return on. Um, all right, I do want to. I, I do want to jump into the, our interview with uh, Greg O'Keefe, who you know, again, one of the things I love about the Athletic is is just how many different voices and insiders we have everywhere, not just across sports, whether it's all our NBA writers or the NHL or MLB. We have somebody everywhere in every city, the true insiders. But then you you get all our team over in the U.K. 
so many great writers over there, and their perspective on the restart is really interesting um, because they've seen it now, and it's played out, and they're learning about how players are reacting to playing in front of no fans in the atmosphere and in a little bit for us about how to cover it and things like that. So it took some time last week to talk with Greg O'Keefe, who covers Everton uh, for us over there, and I just – I found it to be a really interesting conversation that's going to be super relevant to the NFL as they try to restart, and we learn a little bit about certain types of players that maybe will or won't perform well in this situation and what it kind of means. So anyway, here's a, here's a conversation with Greg O'Keefe, who is our, our one of our two writers, actually, covering Everton uh, in the Premiership, which has been going for uh, multiple weeks now. So here's, here's that conversation. And now as we uh, we move on, I, I kind of wanted to shift gears um, as really all sports here in the States try to figure out what it's going to look, feel, smell, sound like playing games without any fans, with a different atmosphere surrounding it and, and navigate that. It seemed like a perfect opportunity to tap into our uh, our base over in the UK, uh, where we obviously have so many reporters covering the Premier League and other things over there. Uh, and, and I, you know, we was like, oh, well, who who should we pick? And I was like, well, I, I have been reading Greg O'Keefe for years uh, because I'm a, I'm a long-suffering Everton supporter. So it felt like I had no other place to go uh, than to reach out to to Greg to talk about this, but I promise this will not devolve into me complaining uh, about Everton tactics and and struggles and repetitive nature of their losing and hiring and firing over the years. I promise I won't get into that, Greg. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Nice to speak to you, mate. Yeah, I'll promise not to bore bore everyone with soccer talk either. <laughs> yeah, and if you if you also are are an an Everton supporter, make sure you check out uh, Greg's. Uh, podcast with uh, with Patrick Boylan, correct? Um, and they are. It's called Glad Tidings. Uh, you can listen to that on the Athletic app, also you know on all your 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 platforms there to get all the insight uh, into Everton and, and the Premier League. But Greg, I want I want to start here, and I you know it's I'm just going to very generally throw out the first the softball question that's just wide open for you, and that's what has this been like? Yeah. Yeah, um, it's well. I'm sure, without stating the bleeding obvious, that almost everyone, it's been a really weird time. That's obviously been a really weird time, professionally in terms of covering a sort of um, Premier League soccer club over here. It's actually been better than I feared. Um, although the sort of the world shrunk in terms of access and the ability to go out and about and do do our jobs and speak to players at the training ground and go to games and we'll speak about that more later um we, we've been challenged by the athletic obviously we only launched in the uk just coming up to a year ago and you know we, we were building up ahead of steam and then this happened so we've been challenged to, to continue to produce really engaging and compelling content and um i found on a personal level whilst that's been difficult the challenge of doing that in lockdown has kind of converse distracted me from the misery and boredom of lockdown. So it's been tough, but it's kind of a feeling that we're we've all been in it together and um, think of novel ways to cover a, a sporting club when it, so many avenues are just shut. Just shut has kind of helped me stay focused. So professionally, I've enjoyed it, albeit found it really odd. Um, what I don't know about you guys, and I'm pretty sure it's the same. One of the great things about being a sports writer is going out there and meeting people and going to watch live sports and just getting amongst the really knowing your club and being unable to do that has definitely been difficult. But um, I found the challenge a nice diversion. As you guys have, you know, you've gotten back into what, what, what kind of access has there been? I mean, where, what have you been able to do in the last few weeks as, as the Premier League has started playing, you know, again and getting, having matches going again? Well, not much would probably be the, the sort of the blunt summary. We've had a few weeks now of of um, since the restart, project restart with the Premier League um, press conferences have been via Zoom. So pre-game press conferences over Zoom, um, which the novelty still hasn't worn off of being sat there in my 
sort of back room at my my flat where I, I live in Liverpool's kind of Dockland area. My laptop on the kitchen table and, and Carlo Ancelotti staring at me from <laughs> from the laptop. Obviously, some of your listeners might not know, but kind of one of the most successful managers in European soccer and now Everton's manager. And um, there's also the kind of slightly com- comedy aspect of. You know what it's like when you need Zoom to work. It, invariably, it doesn't until someone isn't isn't doing it right. So, you know, trying to Everton's press officer scurrying to try and nudge Carlo Ancelotti to tell him he's got he's on Zoom, um, on mute and he needs to put himself <laughs> off mute. And um, that's the, the novelty of that hasn't worn off yet. But the access has been largely over those kind of remote work platforms. So speaking to players over Zoom or and and there haven't been many by way of player opportunities and doing the sort of the the basic which is. Um, every Premier League club would do a pre-game and a post-game press conference. Normally, uh, they're duty-bound to do that. So that's been over Zoom. Normally, like I said earlier, we'd have the chance to go and speak to players and go to the training ground, and that's pretty much dried up almost exclusively. I think I've spoken to one one player since March, um, which was a, a guy called Alex Awobi, who, who joined us last summer. Uh, and that was an interview with myself and sort of eight other journalists over again over Zoom. So, yeah, that's been very different as well. I, I guess it's it's hard to get a sense of this when you're not able to really talk to anybody. But I mean, do you get a sense of what players and staff and coaches have sort of complained about the most in in trying to pull off? you know, wins games in this atmosphere? Yeah, well, yes, actually. Quite an interesting one, that, because I think it's been really difficult for players, I can only speak of particularly the Everton players, to adapt to the new the new type. I'm not going to say the new normal, because I'm sick of hearing that phrase, but effectively the new normal, you know, the sort of... For example, the, the soccer lads here, it's particularly the guys who are older in their 30s, um, rely a lot, and it's probably the same in, in, in all US contact sports, rely a lot on kind of physio and massage and the ability to kind of, you know, keep themselves in that sort of peak physical condition, especially when there's a lot of games, which which don't forget since the Premier League restarted, the schedule of games has just been relentless. It's been sometimes playing three times in eight days, um, elite level games. So some of the older players really would rely on that sort of physio work, the massage work. And that's restricted at the moment. They can have 15 minutes max with the, with the massage. Uh, just under social distancing rules, so it's it's really difficult for them. But then on a on a game day level, I think it's massively massively difficult for these guys who are used to playing most of their careers in front of forty thousand, fifty thousand, sixty, seventy thousand fans to get used to trying to replicate the intensity of Premier League elite games in front of like an empty stadium. And I, I think only now they're realizing. Um, they look sure they'll always appreciate the fans, but they're they're realizing that the fans essentially are the the game, and without them, I've heard people saying it feels like a preseason friendly. It feels like a practice game. It feels like a game from when they were kids and they would play for their under eighteen side, and it's just very difficult to, especially when th- those non-stop ske- schedule of of games. It's very difficult to re- to get the intensity. I think. As cliche as it is, the fans do drag that extra 10% out of these athletes and it's just been a very, a very big challenge for them to try and find that within themselves. Do you, do you get the sense that they don't? They almost don't feel like the games feel legitimate in that respect? Or do they, is there still kind of a gathering of, yeah, I mean, I understand this means something, but it almost feels, feels less. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I think so. I think if they were honest, obviously they can't say that, but I think people I've spoken to off the record have said that, that it does feel feel less especially for teams who haven't really got much to play for you know, as you and I know with Everton that's that's often the case at this point of the season <laughs> when neither relegation uh, or or being a, a winner of the of the division is is on the agenda um it's difficult but you know i think the these guys are trying to kind of take part in in the spectacle of football and life moving back to normal and, and trying to make sure that they can still perform. I mean, for example, a lot of their contracts finished. A lot a lot of players across the division were contracted because the season was supposed to end uh, in May. We're only contracted till the 1st of June. So in some clubs that they've they've then, they, they haven't signed extensions. So they've not been available for their teams until the end of July, which is, which is what they need to be to finish the season. Others have signed extensions, but then you can imagine if they're thinking, well, 
I've done an extra month here, but would you really want to be going 100% into a really 50-50 tackle where you might come out of that with a serious injury that might scupper your chance of going and getting an important move and a three or four year contract at another club when you know you're not going to stay at that club? All these sorts of things must be in the mix. And then, of course, a friend of mine works at a different Premier League club and he was just telling me about the the lack of routine. You know, These guys, these, these athletes are just absolute creatures of routine. They're almost like soldiers, right? You know, they rely on going to be with their brothers, their teammates. Every day they're in an environment where everything's done for them. They've, they've, every every aspect to help them perform as elite athletes is there. You know, they, they gather together, they train together hard, they work, do the weights work in the gym and then they'll go and eat and then they'll train. Having that kind of interrupted as, to the extent as it has been, I think has been a significant psychological barrier for them to deal with. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I think that one thing we were talking about is there's some guys that maybe you you would consider them great practice players, right? Like they just, you know, in an NFL, this is particularly because there's there's so much of you know trying to replicate things in practice. People are like, oh, the guy he was he's he's all all Wednesday, all Wednesday team, but when it comes to all Sunday, he he shrinks in the moment. And maybe you can get some guys, and I don't know if you've seen any of this or heard people discuss any of this, that maybe typically maybe don't perform or perform below what your expectations are for them in a regular atmosphere, but find find actually find a comfort in playing in front of nobody because it feels like a practice and maybe that's more fits their 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 uh their psychology that's a really interesting one because that absolutely is the case two 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 kind of observations on that the first is what we've noticed is the teams like manchester city who are coached by pep guardiola like you know again some of your listeners might might know he is kind of one of the most successful of the new wave of coaches in European football, you know, has won titles with Barcelona and Bayern Munich and Man- Manchester City. His teams have kind of got like an almost robotic, relentless, really, really heavily coached way of playing football that kind of works no matter what. So it's no success that since the restart, Manchester City's football has been pretty much unchanged. Um, they go through this these patterns of play with these really, really top players who can execute it to an inch of perfection. So they've had good results. And I'm not saying that the Manchester City fans aren't important, but they don't rely on fans. But then teams that do rely on the intensity of supporters, who do rely on their fans being the 12th man, they've had a dip. So there's that. Then at the same token, and and Paul, you'll know, I mean, there's a young guy who plays for Everton, Tom Davies, who's a local guy from the city. Um, And there's this unfortunate kind of, Paradox about Everton in, in that the fans are so desperate to see local local kids do well and come through the academies and play for the team that they build a pressure up on these young guys that can often be counterproductive because you know if they give away a pass or they make a mistake sometimes they're so the fans are so desperate to see them succeed they can almost the the audible moans and groans in the stadium can get can have a psychologically averse effect on those young lads well without that you've seen a little bit more freedom and a little bit more. I wouldn't say they're relaxed more, but but they're able to express themselves more and not have that fear of hearing. Because don't forget, Goodison Park, where Everton play their, their soccer, is a compact old stadium, one of the best of its type in England. But the stands are right next to the pitch. So I know like a lot of your football over there has played in these amazing big stadiums. And Dan Mice, who, who did the Paul Brown, is the guy who's going to do Everton's next stadium. And, you know, they're brilliant. I've spent some time in, in NFL stadiums you're covering pre-season soccer games and I love them. But the old stadiums in England for football are just like four big stands and the players can hear what the supporters are saying. They can feel the breath on their neck sometimes and when a player's taking a throw in behind him, about five yards behind him or less, he's got someone telling him, giving him what for, you know, and really letting him know what he thinks. And that's very different, I would guess. Um, forgive me if, it's, if there are similar examples in the NFL, but I wouldn't have thought so these days. No, I mean you're right, and uh, I from in, in in certainly you see that. I mean, we talk all the time about how uh, you know even a visiting team goes into another team's stadium and has the home team booing the home team as they go into halftime, and it's a point of pride and it's a sense of you demoralize them to the point that they you've got their own fans booing them, and and the same way where you can be playing at home and uh, and and be getting booed off of your own in your own stadium or, or, or whatever it is. And, 
and, and the effect of that and how much that is. I, I don't know. We talk a lot about how you know players are able to compartmentalize and not let fans affect them, but there, I think this will test that for sure. On the fan side of things, what do you feel like what fan reaction has been to this? Uh, ha, has there been a sense of is it just frustration? Is it acceptance? Do they find any, uh, you know, silver lining in not being able to attend games and how they've had to follow? Well, I think on the whole, when when Soccer First returned here, there was an enormous sigh of relief because it felt like that first step of the nightmare ending, if you like. Don't mean to be melodramatic, but, you know, the lack of, you know what people are like in, in, in the UK about their soccer. It's a religion, and especially in the big northern cities like Liverpool, it's just everything. So when it came back, it was a huge psychological step towards a bit of normality, even though it was in empty stadiums. So at first it was just, oh, so glad it's back. But then pretty quickly, again, I, I, as I said earlier, Everton haven't had much to play for tangible. They couldn't win any trophies this season and they couldn't really be relegated down to the division below. So it meant it meant a little less in that respect. They weren't chasing any titles. But then as it, the weeks have gone on, I could get, if I could give you a dollar for every time I've had this conversation where someone said to me, it's not the same, is it? It's just not the same. I'm not interested. It's boring. And like, I, you'd be a wealthy guy and I would be too because it's really become a, co- a common sentiment. And I don't know if they'll do anything like that in the US, but here, I presume they will on Fox and stuff, but here on Sky, which is the broadcaster here, um, you can choose to watch the game with uh, FIFA, um, sorry, EA slash FIFA generated fake fan noise or without any, so just as is without the fans. And it's weird. It's, it's quite surreal when, you, when you're watching it with the f- fake generated fan noise, but also weirdly comforting. And then again, very odd when you watch it without the noise because all of a sudden you can just hear the, the players shouting to each other. You can hear the goalkeepers and then booming their instructions and you can hear the coaches and what they're shouting out to the players as well. So um, it's been unusual and I think fans are just desperate now to get back to going to actually physically being in stadiums and making football, the soccer here, what it actually is. It's so cool to be part of a you know an, an awesome team that's do it, that's over on the other side and know that we're all still connected and the uh, the breadth of that uh, connectivity is really 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 fun. So uh, thanks for your time, I appreciate it, and uh, you know stay safe out there. We'll t- hopefully we'll talk to you soon. You too, guys. All right, much thanks to uh, Greg O'Keefe for spending some time to catch up, and I, I you know I found the part really interesting when discussing. I kind of went back to an old Marvinism, which is never good to do. Uh, but and it was when he used to call Jerome Simpson all Hamilton County, and like, but he was just a great practice player. Like he would just play good on Wednesdays, and then just totally just be nothing, just make every mistake in the book if he tried to play him on a Sunday or in a game. And like, how many players now? will go and people think of the opposite of the guy who's a super emotional player and like feeds off the crowd and feeds off the emotion. Uh, what will happen to their game playing in an empty arena is an interesting thought, but the opposite is a kind of interesting too. guys that are maybe really good practice players that kind of shrink in the moment kind of scares them a little bit. Uh, you know, you always hear that dumb cliche. Oh, it wasn't too big for him. Like, which is what you say when you don't know what to say about a guy uh, who's young. Um, but I, I kind of wonder how many guys like that maybe would thrive a little bit more when they're not feeling like, well, they're not getting booed or they're not just in that high-pressure atmosphere and feel like they can play almost like it's a practice and maybe all Hamilton County could be all pro. And like we talked about earlier, with the, I mean, what a great advantage for, for a team with a, like the Bengals with a rookie quarterback. If Even if stadiums are only 20% full, that is – that is an incredible advantage going on the road and not having to deal with crowd noise for, I mean, for any team, but especially for a young quarterback. Yeah. Uh, although, I don't know, man. Watching Joe Burrow at LSU going into places, it seemed to make him better. <laughs> him going into Alabama or wherever, man, he, it seemed like the, the rowdier the crowd, the more he fed off that. Who knows? I guess we'll learn a lot about the psyche of Joe Burrow. We'll, we'll we have plenty of time to dig into that over the next number of months. So, uh, And, hey, and that starts very soon. We're, we're not just right around the corner. Joe Burrow in Cincinnati potentially this week. Can you believe it? The prodigal son has returned. That, I, guess uh, he te- he, I guess he's technically returned. I mean, he, he was here a little bit. His girlfriend was here living at Mason. He was at the B-dubs. 
So he's he's kind of back. It, him showing up tomorrow, and then last week's pod with with Jeremy and and Joe kind of led me to uh, an impromptu run passer boot. I don't know if you have one, but I just kind of no, th- I kind of thought of this one uh, tomorrow when Joe Burrow rolls up to Paul Brown Stadium to get his COVID test, and and that's basically it. Uh, how many? of the four TV stations in town will be camped outside of the gate just to try to get a shot of him coming out of his car and walking to the, the testing trailer. Will it be all four, three to one, or zero? There's not a lot going on, Jay. I don't, no. know, if you, I don't know if you've been around local sports lately. <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh, it's not like they've got some other thing to do. Uh, but you don't know when he's going to show up. Are they going to camp out all day? Yeah, that's the thing. You know, you know what, Joe Burrow, he's a 7 a.m. guy, right? you got to figure he's like an early. You don't even know if he's coming on Tuesday. Like They could give him a reprieve. You know, you know what they – or would they be more likely to just camp out at his parents' house in Athens and just follow him and then get the chopper over top of him like <laughs> Ford Bronco style? Uh, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm going to say – I'm going to say three to one because I don't think – I think somebody – I could see Jeremy or Joe going down there and just seeing what they come across and hanging out for a little bit. Maybe they catch some other players in the process, get lucky, catch Burrow. I don't see the rest of them putting in that type of time. Uh, so I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll run with three to one. I will pass zero, and I'll boot all four. I don't, I don't think all four would do it. Yeah, it, well, doing it is one thing, and actually getting the footage is another. Um, I, I'm the same way. I'll, I'll run with one to three. Um, I'll pass on zero because I, I wonder, and I wonder if this is going to be the case for the practice field well as well, because where the Bengals are situated, it, it wouldn't surprise me for them to put up sheets or curtains or something like because it's a, if people have not been down there it's a wrought iron fence so you can easily see through it now the, the practice field's a little bit different because you there's a lot of trees lining that and you can't see through a lot of that spot but to look to go down there you can you can wait outside the player's entrance um, and people do this all the time and, and hope to catch them coming and going from practice and, and get autographs or just to say they saw them um, so I, I kind of wonder if if the Bengals would put up any kind of you know, barrier to, to prevent TV stations from coming down and, and doing that. So I, I, that's why I would run with the zero and then I just boot all four because I, the, the timing of it and the, the fact that, you know, there isn't a lot going on sports wise. A lot of these, a lot of these videographers have been converted over to new side and there is stuff going on new side. I just, I think it's a, a really long shot that all four of them will get it. Yeah, we shall see all of that coming and more. Uh, so next week we should have most people back in the building. Uh, by the time we're we're doing this, we'll be in full training camp season preview or training camp. I mean, it could be basically two weeks of conditioning. Uh, but Jay and I will be able to be there and watching it. That's about all we can do. We'll be able to stand around the practice field uh, and watch practice, and then be politely asked to get the hell out uh, <laughs> <laughs> to go home uh, to do our to interviews. Go home. To go home and 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 talk to people uh, over the internet, please. Uh, so, but we'll have all of those observations and plenty more coming up in the coming weeks as we go through whatever training camp and preseason is going to be like. We hope that you would, if you're listening to this, uh, subscribe to us, iTunes, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast platforms. Also. Of course, on The Athletic, you can read all of our coverage there. 30-day free trial is still going, so if you're listening to this and you want to read maybe my column on A.J. Green or any of the number of things that we have up across all sports, C-Trent, uh, of course, is killing it over there as the Reds get ready to do, have their opening day on Friday or even Everton coverage and live my sad Everton supporting life with me, reading Greg O'Keefe, whoever that is. Um, you can subscribe 30 days. Come on in, see what you think. If you like it, good. If not, thank you for checking it out. Um, we, we welcome you. We like to think that we, we make it worthwhile for you. So thanks to everybody that does subscribe and is listening. We, we really appreciate you guys, especially in this time. So, um, we will be back next week. We look forward to it. So we will talk to you next time on Hear That Podcast Ground. Have a good one, everybody.